0: what's up everyone i am kyle shudig and welcome to the stay in the fight podcast i am so grateful to have you listening with me today This podcast is an in the field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson strategy or tactic that you can integrate right now, so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. Right now I have Nathan Simmons, on the podcast. So welcome Nathan. Thank you very much Carl for having me here. It's appreciate it. You are gonna be episode 007 and as one of our other guests who you and I know mutually <laughs> said you need you need like a cheeky Brit. <laughs> I was like you know who I got. I got Nathan Simmons. It would be great.
1: The man so, in the beard.
0: <laughs> the man, the beard, and uh, it's, it's it's. I'm I'm just like I'm really grateful that you're you're doing this. So we've talked offline, well, online, but offline, and um, you know, there's a lot behind you that I've heard, but I haven't heard everything. And so you do. Um, Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. A, a group, and what your group is called? The art of fulfillment. The art of fulfillment. But were you always fulfilled? No. no, in the short answer. Okay, in the short fulfilled, and so you know what we do here on stay in a fight, right? Um, we kind of gave you a little rundown. Is how do you stay where you're at? So one, you know, we want to know who you are. Um, so let's get you a little intro. You know, uh, who are you? Are wh- or who you are? Um, you know, where you're from. I think some people can guess. You know, yep. what really occupies your time right now?
1: Okay, so who am I? Um, I'm Nathan Simmons. I Come with over 20 years of leadership experience. I've worked in multinationals, in multiple industries. Um, I've even had, it sounds more luxurious and incredible than it is, I've even had the pleasure of managing the European customer services for some small magazines such as Time and Fortune magazine, Harvard Business Review, while I was living in Amsterdam. Just small ones. Uh, just small ones. Um, but like I say, it sounds more glamorous than it is. I've had some phenomenal experiences in my life. Um, I've traveled the world. I've backpacked, backpacked across Southeast Asia. I've lived in Australia. Um, I've lived in Amsterdam for four years. Um, I've also lived in Brazil and trained with some of the greatest martial artists in my field. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've had some phenomenal... Some, you know, I've had these incredible experiences in my life. Um, and at the same time I've done some incredibly, I now look back and reflect on in my view of myself, some incredibly stupid things Mm -hmm. and, and badly thought about things and ill educated approaches to life. Um, and those things have cost me dearly, um, at various points in my life, um, to the point of, you know, some of them could have killed me. I could have died as a result of my choices of what I was doing to myself and my low quality of thinking that caused those things to happen yeah
0: so that's really where we want to start right because i think we have a lot of people who who have that same storyline similar storyline we'll call it because same as doing it an injustice right something similar because we all live this our own life and you know where we're at today maybe some of us may be in that where we have that low quality thinking we can't identify it right because because we're so you and i know when we get caught up in that that becomes reality yes and um you don't know that it's close to either ending your life or keeping you in the perpetual rut. Yep. And so, let's dig in on some of those experiences. So let's go back from art of fulfillment, Nathan, that we all yep. know and love. You know, yep. anybody who's in our circle. To where did Thank it start you. off? Right. Yeah. Oh, I love you, dude. It's I love everything you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you, Co. Uh, you're welcome, man. Um, and go back. Let's go back. How many years? Let's where Where did you?
1: Hmm.
0: Not even where you first realized where you got into the rut, where you had that awareness. But let's yep. go before that so where did that start
1: so right now let's give kind of a little bit of some chronolo- chronolo- chronology chronology chronological order to this. We go. <laughs> <laughs> the area uh, so I'm 41 now we're rapidly heading towards 42 um, I've been coaching for around about seven eight years now working leadership development personal development um, I've worked various jobs going all the way back through the history um, The first big challenge is I'm nine years old. Mm. So before that, you know what? We grew up in austerity. We grew up in the eighties. You know, uh, we grew up when there were real recessions. My parents' mortgage almost jumped to 20%. Um, Uh Yeah, computer games had no save function, Um, you know, and we didn't go on holiday when there was a recession. You kind of, things were tight Um, and we learned perseverance. You know, and like I say, computer games had no safe function. You've got three lives, three attempts, that's it. Game over, start again, all the way from the beginning. Yeah. So I learned perseverance. After this, um, and as I grew up, you know, I, at nine years old, I wake up um, with stomach pains and I'm rushed to hospital. This is the first experience of me really taking that p- perseverance and me actually learning about what my own battle is and how to battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out I've got an appendicitis. Routine operation, routine procedure, routine recovery. Thing is, I don't recover, wow. and I'm going backwards and forwards to hospital for maybe two, three months at this point in time. Continuing pain, continuing problems. um I'm kind of I'm nine years old-ish, approximately. Yeah. um We go into the doctor's. Our normal doctor isn't there. We've got a, a, a kind of a standing doctor that kind of knows us a little bit, uh, and he says you've got Crohn's disease, you need to go to the hospital and get two pints of blood putting back in you because you're anemic. So this is kind of eight, nine years old, this is happening. Wow. So I'm one of the first people to be diagnosed with Crohn's disease kind of in my local area. Um, the student nurses love it because they get to use me as a case study. Everyone, yeah. you know, all these wonderful things. There's, 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 Something there's good so, came from it, right? <laughs> exactly this. Um, so I go to hospital. Um, I have my, I've had my appendix removed. Um, I end up having my bowel resectioned. I have 15 inches of my intestine removed, which is a small amount in comparison to a lot of people these days with Crohn's. Bear in mind. Okay. Uh, And I have uh, an abscess on it. One of my kidneys deflates. I end up getting um, fed directly into my jugular vein through a pipe. I've got, I can't even remember what they call this now, but I've got. Dialysis, right? It's kind of not dialysis, but they're actually pumping core nutrients. I can't oh, wow. remember the actual name of it. They're pumping core nutrients directly into your jugular vein so you don't have to eat. And this is all at nine, nine this years is old. This nine years old. Man. I stopped growing. I literally stopped growing. Um, like I say, one of my kidneys deflates um, and just gets better. I don't know how that works. You know? And they're doing all these tests. This is back in the day. This is back in the late 80s this is happening. So technology is where it is. I survive. My mum is Google. You know, there is no internet at this point in time. Yeah. We're lucky to have computer games that uh, get played on tape cassette. So anyone that's <laughs> young enough to not know what a tape cassette is, you should Google that and find out what games look like back in <laughs> the day. <laughs> you know, my mum's Google. My mum goes and does the research to help understand what's going on, what this diagnosis okay. is, how to cure it. Um, she finds out the information. I get treated for something else. My mum is the catalyst for me curing my Crohn's disease, okay? So I'm going to be challenging in what I do. And, Carl, you know this. Everything that I do is about challenging people's thinking so that yep. they can take control of key elements of their lives, yep. expand the greatest version of who they are and become more incredible than yesterday. And, you know, the thoughts that I have and the way that I approach things is about pushing buttons and pulling levers for people. And it does make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. My mum went and did the research came back with the information and we cured Crohn's man. And that was through a year of hardcore dieting. No, you know, mucking around it's zero sugar, zero grains. No, it's, it's boring. You know, it's literally, you might as well be eating polystyrene for 12 months and live <laughs> yoga. Yeah. That's what it tastes like. But you do this because you want to move beyond what they call is, is the disease. Yeah. And um, so that's the first real big thing that I overcome first big challenge. Next, what happens is I then go to school. Moving into secondary school, high school for you guys, uh, me and school didn't fit. And I, I say this countless this time, you know, I didn't fit it, it didn't fit me. And that energetic boy that I was that learned through seeing and doing that was able to put this level of perseverance and, and drive into overcoming um, these situations. I was broken by the educational system of hearing and repeating. And I felt like Einstein's proverbial fish being measured against its ability to climb a tree. I felt like an idiot. And wow. that then spiraled. So there's a couple of other elements in that that then yeah. had knock-on effects. You know, my brother, my brother was a big role model for me. He was the toughest kid in school. I felt like I had to live up to that. Um, and you know, my, and when I say my brother was the toughest kid in school, the, the funny thing is about this, my brother got expelled from school yeah for fighting with the principle really yeah yeah. i mean that's some next level shit right. that, is, <laughs> that is that is uh that is balls right there mm. yeah so i feel like i've got to live up to this expectation yeah. and it's just you know i'm causing myself yeah. a problem i'm causing a rift internally you know it's a kind of yeah. expectation that i'm going to be the arty intelligent one potentially in the family Um, and I've got this expectation I need to live up to this kind of role model, I need to be this sort of person, you know, the guy that gets all the girls and fights all the bad men. I'm I'm already playing an internal dialogue that's setting me up to fail at this point. Yeah. Um, One day walking home from school, I'm about 13 years old, uh, and as I'm walking home, there's four or five guys coming the other way. They're a couple of years older than me, and, and something feels off, and I can feel something doesn't feel right. I feel uneasy. There's a dissonance, there's a discord of what's going on. There's a, you know, something's not right. And what starts as verbal abuse kind of on day one escalates to being spat on and then, you know, rides up to, to, to physical abuse and being punched and kicked on the way home every night. on going home from school. Oh man. Um, but because of who my brother is, um, my, my father was a police officer at the time. I felt as if I couldn't tell anybody. You know, I was supposed to be kind of one of the tough kids in school because I was bigger than everyone. You know, I'm six foot six, I'm tall, I know how to fight. I could. I used to be able to handle, handle myself pretty well. And I was quite an angry kid and I got angrier. Um, and I felt I couldn't tell my brother. I felt I couldn't tell my father. And what transpired is, you know, is I would then start going the long way home from school. I would, you know, I would go out of my way to avoid the potential of bumping into these kids, and I remember one time I went the long way, and they went the other way. So somehow they knew that I was going to go that. The, the universe, of the avoidance
0: coming, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah.
1: I was avoiding them, but the universe was going to provide me with that challenge anyway, and I was ignoring it. But what I did instead of actually facing that challenge, which I know is, is my purpose in life and how I deal with things, yeah. I went even further out of my way and I would run that last 20 minutes so that I would arrive home at the same time I would do normally so no one would question me. Oh, wow. Say, Why are you late every night? Huh. Uh, so instead what I was doing was just making sure that I was running even further and faster to avoid facing into the challenge that I understood now that I need to deal with.
0: Yeah. So Because, yeah. Oh, yeah so i mean you go from this like nine-year-old boy who goes through this yeah. like immense um pain and, and frustration and and, yeah. and and medical just like uh i would say no man's land especially yeah. i guess for where for where you're at because you're one of the first people in the community and you come through it right so you come out on the other side so does that make you feel pretty powerful at the time like hey we overcame
1: this and we're moving forward no no to- no 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 not to- at yeah, all. because it's <sighs> Yeah, at one point I was just the sick kid. You know, I was, I, I was trying. To, I was trying just to attempt to get back into school, and there was times oh. I was going to school, and I actually had a nasal tube in, so I was actually still getting fed through a nasal tube. Oh, wow. Liquid nutrients because yeah. this stuff tastes disgusting. You know, it, it doesn't taste like apple pie; it tastes vile. <laughs> um, so I even attempted to go to school with a nasal tube in. Um, yeah. Then set me out as the odd kid. You know, it sent me out. As, oh look, there's yeah. the sick kid. Um, so that was challenging. And I was off school for nearly nine, ten months in that first year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there was even an offer of me staying behind a year to repeat that first year, which I didn't want to do because then I would feel like the odd kid who's a year older than everybody yeah. else. So it was because every everything about school, you know, school teaches you three things predominantly. Turn up on time, do as you're told, and live up to someone else's expectation. Yeah. And all you want to do as a kid is just kind of fit in. You yep. know, you just keep your head down. You don't want to stand out, you know, yeah. in case... You know, still getting the inappropriate labels, difficult, challenging labels, and that's all I wanted to do, and I couldn't. You know, I was already that old kid, um, and surviving that wasn't anything special. Yeah, it was just. I think it just added more problems to me mentally because I felt like I was still an outcast, an two. Yeah, that
0: makes total sense. And I mean, then you go into the next the the I think the years that are some of the most challenging right when the the coming of age the teenage years especially for young boys and sure. that's what I've experienced and then and now you're running up against you know one having a role model that is for you I mean I haven't had an older brother so I had to kind of like live vicariously through other friends but I saw that then providing that you know I have to be the tough kid or whatever it may be. And that's the role model that And Some kids don't take that route, but like we always look at the ones that are, you know, tough, the ones that are standing up, the ones that are like challenging the status quo, which is quality that I like. But now that I look at it, we can do that in a different way. (laughs) In a healthy way. In a healthy, healthy way. Um, You know, and then because you have all that in front of you, like your father being a, a, you know, part of law enforcement and Mm. and that brother who has that, Wow, run, You're you're actually running to keep them from seeing that you're running. Yeah. Wow, yeah.
1: man. There, there was this. There was this. And um, I understand all of this in retrospect, which is <laughs> thing, yeah. You know, is this, this fear of being of demasculating myself to say yeah. that I wasn't able to deal with this challenge? I wasn't able to fight off four other men in a yeah. situation. I don't know many people that can deal with four other men. You yeah. know, it, it, that's a very unique skill set. Um, very. I'm not, yeah, and Liam Neeson's probably one of the only people that can do that. Um, <laughs> Every movie he does. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I didn't know this, you know. Yeah. And um, I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I think mm. young men do. Yes. They put a lot of pressure on their parents, on their fathers, and their brothers, etc. Um, and they kind of project this ideal of perfection onto them, which not many people can actually uh, facilitate and handle because they haven't been taught how to deal with it. We don't understand you know, our, our internal dialogue and how good we are, and how being imperfect and, and fallible is, a, is an okay thing. They've never been taught uh, to understand it. So we just perpetuate the cycle by, perpetu- uh, by you know, projecting this stuff onto them. Yeah. And then- When we don't live up to that state in ourselves, how can we go and tell someone else that we're being imperfect? We can't. exactly Because it makes us less of a man in that moment or less of a woman in that moment. Yeah. So we just learn to run faster. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you learn to run faster, to get at home just at the same time, but you're running the longer route, just avoiding and going. I mean, it's essentially perpetuating a circle. I don't have my notebook with me cause we're on mm-hmm. camera right now, but you know, I'd show you the, the notebook of making, you know, the, the problem to the cost, the problem to the cost, the problem to the cost. Yeah. And you're just constantly, because you can't uh-huh. break, if you break the cycle, the perception, right. We've, all, we've discussed this. The perception is that other people are going to see me as weak as um, yes. can't hold up to the standard that we don't even know that we think exists, which yes. doesn't. Now we look at it and we're like, what standard it's arbitrary. No. Um, cause we make our own standard, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining because I've, experience some of these things is too as a as a young man as a young boy um as i have to live up to what my friends to being the 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 un you know the the kid who's scared on the inside but not on the outside as i'm running my bicycle at 40 miles an hour down this ramp to jump something where i'm probably gonna break my neck or fall it you know and like or you know r- running up against um friction from other people, like, oh, well, f- they can take on this many people. I don't have to put up with that shit either, you know, if my friends can do this because that's what they're going to see, because if not, so we're always, you're right, we're always looking, living up to this expectation that just isn't, actually has never been verbalized. I mean, was it ever
1: verbalized to you, like, hey, you have to be the tough kid, like, or is that what you're just thinking? You're thinking because, mm. you know, and there's two elements to So one, going back into the start of what you were saying, that, that perpetuated cycle, Dr. Sandra Wilson, I think it was, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And do you know what? I perpetuated it because I went from being bullied and not understanding how to deal with that pain and that, un, that unfiltered kind of unfelt into hurt was then measured out on other people. I then yeah. gave it to other people because it just spilled out. You know, I gave to people from my overflow, my bucket of pain filled up to a point where I didn't know what to do with it and I just tipped it on other people. I became the bully. So I understand that perpetuation very clearly. Yeah. The part that really kind of made that happen is that perceptual piece you talk about because what actually happens is you make all this bullshit up in your own head uh, you yeah. project this idea, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, then you start having a conversation and we do it as human beings is because we're looking to fill the gap in where our brains are validating and, and creating meaning. So if I have this conversation about being bullied, about being abused to somebody else, what will, what do I think they will think of me? Mm oh, they're going to think less of me because I perceive myself as weak in the face of this situation. Yeah. No, I haven't stepped up to this challenge. Therefore, that individual is going to think less of me and I will lose that person's love because I'm getting you know, physically abused by four other people, yep. which is completely ridiculous as a 13-year-old to make that, you know, that um, correlation of thoughts and to fantasize about what hasn't even been said based on what I think they're going to think about me. And it's so funny, I th- you know, I-, I
0: think as we get older, we think it gets better. Hmm. But, you know, the thing that I've learned recently is we can only add or multiply to that. So it's only going to, we're either going to add to it or we're going to multiply it and make it even worse if we don't start to, to break that cycle, like you said. And so as a 13 year old, I mean, you're, you're essentially like what you just told me, what sounds like, I mean, you're your you're future cat. You're literally thinking you're looking in the future. Mm-hmm. right i mean that's how i've, I've contextualized it now it's like i used to tell my own future so it would keep me from doing everything because i would already had lost everything by yeah. acting on that you know acting on the the actual i wouldn't say rational thought but the, what was real what was actually reality
1: mm-hmm. but
0: if i act actually acted in that way it would tumble into a cycle that i could already see the outcome
1: yeah and it, is, it is when you kind of you start to project into that future and you start to worry and you start to, and you know, depressions and anxiety start kicking in because you're playing out that future role. And that part of your brain cannot decipher what is actually real and what is make believe. You know, that the, um, the primordial parts yeah. of your brain are, are kicking in, the amygdala is firing up because you're worrying about how you might feel in the conversation with your father when you tell him mm. you're being abused you know, or getting, getting your brother involved into this situation. No, so you don't do it. That panic kicks in, but it's based on complete fantasy. It's it a The future is a made up version of something that hasn't yet happened with your imagination and your emotions filling in and escalating and deescalating the key elements. That is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not doing you any favors because no. it hasn't even happened and it's yeah. just holding you back. Whatever decision you actually make is the right decision for yourself at that point in time. I understand that now. Yes. When you look back, though, is there a decision that could have changed the trajectory or something based on that information? Okay. How can I share a message with someone else to say it's okay to have that conversation yeah. if you feel it's right? Therefore, the cycle stops in someone else. Boom, giving that. people that comfort and understanding that they can make a different choice based on the choices that I didn't make. And this is what the effect that it had on my life as a result of it.
0: And that's the only way we're going to learn is from one, like uh, I, I just shared with somebody with the, the Bill Gates quote, right? Success is uh, the, what the, not the greatest teacher. I can't remember. I'm not, I'm not the quote machine, but right. <laughs> Success doesn't, it doesn't teach us anything. What does is the failure to where we didn't get to the outcome we you know, deep in our heart wanted, you know, because we kept ourselves from, from going forward. And so now we're, I mean, we're really building on something, which I really like, you know, I mean, we see all this stuff and this is a lot of correlation to some of the other conversations Mm -hmm. I had as, as a kid, right. This all starts right when we're so malleable, when like we don't understand societal or we, we put societal expectations in the place where we know that we think that there are these expectations that aren't, you know, well, one, we get them projected on us from the education system. Yep. You and I both have yep. a similar view on that. And then, yep. then how society thinks because they haven't broken the cycle yet. So now we're building up nine 13 and now we're into a place where you've probably said, Hey, now that I realize it's a 41 year old man, you know, and been doing this for seven or eight years now yep. where you realize these things so like, I could go back hindsight being 2020, 20, this is what I would do. So let's get to the point where you're down and out, right. Um, you know, where, you know, now that you've kind of, I think next step is probably coming out of school and you definitely feel, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you're, you're out of it. And finally, you know, let's get to that point where you just triggered and had that, oh my God, you know, I need, this cycle is bullshit. Right. And so what, what got you to that point? Like, so we have all these things going on, you know, the, the, the the sickness, and then of course the, the verbal and and actual physical, you know, trauma you felt through a school, but you know, at some point, you said, "Hey, I made this realization. So let's connect into that. Let, let's get to. Let's. I want to. How do we draw that line from that perpetuating cycle, and then all those realizations along that line?" And this is the
1: challenge. There were multiple events where oh. I kept getting kicked in the ass, quite literally, um, and getting the learnings in different ways. So. At 13, the bullying started and has stopped. I've become the bully. I've got myself a reputation for being the kid with the anger issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. have physically assaulted people with weaponry um, at school. Um, you know, I had rage problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, at this point, I've learned. You know, a, a reasonable amount of martial arts. I can uh, apply some of this in kind of a fairly effective way. But most of it is just uncontrolled rage. Um, I leave school at 16 without very many qualifications because I've started smoking marijuana. Um, I have started taking hard drugs already at this point at around about 15, 16 um, in kind of small doses at this point in time. But I'm just self-medicating to get through the drudgery and the problems that are in my own head. Yeah. I leave school. I start working. I'm going through kind of the the motions. I'm going. I'm getting into bar jobs. My dad's pushing me to get. You know, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? He's yeah. just me the best that he can because he wants me to see. You know, wants to see me succeed more than he did. Now, any right-minded parent wants their child to be yeah. more than bare minimum equal to. Yeah. Um, and he just wants that for you. It's a one with the best interest at heart. But he only has two questions: What are you going to do? What are you going to be? That's it. He hasn't got another he got the skill set or the question set of a coach or a mentor to go take it further. He's already been asking me that question since I was 15. So this pressure is applying and applying and applying. Yeah. And I don't have the answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Eventually what happens is I, I, I go traveling. I, I return back from traveling. This is about 22 years old, 22, 22 23 years old. i return back from traveling. Um, I'm lost, I don't understand my place in the world, I don't understand what my meaning is, my significance, my purpose, I don't yeah. un- don't understand this language, I don't know, I've always known that I'm meant to be doing something, I don't know what it is, it's there, kind yeah. of bubbling away in the background. What I then find is that after returning from traveling, I've gone back to the same town, I've gone back to the same job, I've gone back to the same people, I've gone, you know, I've gone outside and I've seen this world of these experiences and possibilities and, and potentialities just to come back to the stuff that I was leaving behind me, the running away, the stuff that I hadn't reconciled deeply in myself before I left was still back there when I got home. And all I did was go straight back into it again, but even harder. Wow. Eight months later, And this is the best way that I can describe the story and kind of it helps me to stay focused emotionally on this is um, I'm 20 minutes walk from the Elephant and Castle train station in London in a grotty little townhouse, lying on a grotty little sofa, um, with my arms pulled up against my chest, my jaw is juxtaposed to my face. And probably if you'd seen me, you would have called an ambulance because you probably would have realized that I'd overdosed on recreational drugs. Oh man. Um, and I'd taken excessive amounts of ecstasy and excessive amounts of cocaine that probably would have killed most people had they not had the level of tolerance that I had because I've been building up to this moment for some time. Yeah. Um, kind of you have the um, kind of the, the, the You know when you take one on one night you can't just take one the next night for the same level you have to keep doubling that up yeah you get to a point where it's kind of easy to do those sorts of quantities but when you get to a point you tip over and I was standing on the metaphorical edge of the precipice looking over with a big fucking decision to make about my life what was going to happen and where I was going to go with it so I looked over the edge and I said you know, I, I I was clear kind of a conscious, subconscious level, whoever it was, whether it was me, whoever else, I've got a choice here. I'm either going to die or go to prison. Hmm. And neither of those options are actually what I'm designed to do. Yeah. This is not my purpose. I have a purpose and this isn't it. So I literally stepped back from the whole thing and said no more. Oh, that
0: that is, all right, so <laughs> that is how so many people see it though. It's either, it's either bad, worse, negative decision A or negative decision B yep. because the choice is I've been going down this path. We're either going to continue down it in this way or this way. There is no option C, right? Because yep. you don't feel like, how, I mean, how do you get to the point where you actually just say like, no more? Right, I mean that's that's the thing. I think the challenge for so many people was where you say not today, right? Yeah. Just all of a sudden you just click and you're like, "Fuck, not today." And this yeah. is gonna be an explicit episode. Not all of them are, but knowing how you and I go at it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I should have bought people. I swear, I'm sorry. I'm a sweary person. There are rules to this, but you know, uh, I came from the Marine Corps, and the oil and gas industry, man. Like, I've got, <laughs> I've got it in my blood. But it's, I mean, I, I had those conversations a couple of weeks ago in a, in a retreat I was at, like. I would listen to those things and all of a sudden, like somebody said I was going optionally out homeless and drugs and whatever it was. And, um, and I'm seeing it again, this story is just repeated with you, you know, um, in, in a different context. And like, how do you get, get to that point? Because so many people who may not even be into drugs or alcohol or anything else, but they're barreling towards the abyss, right. You know, and it may not be, uh, it could just be giving up completely and in, in, in resigning to the fact this is where their life is now. But how, of the sudden, do you take that conscious level decision? Like, how does that happen? Because you had said there's there's a couple of things you said. This is what, what my life was designed to be. And yeah. so we're gonna hit on this because I got yeah. I got it written down. You know this is where I go with my notes. And but how does that like take me through that? Because I think people want to figure out even if they can't. We know they can't replicate exactly how you did it. But this is like where I say if you're, you're going to take one thing, like I believe anybody who's listening, this is like one thing because this is the challenge that I hear so many men and women just say, like all of a sudden, no more. Yep. But that is it is so hard to to resign to resign. That makes sense. Yeah. You know. So let's let's hear it. How, talk me through it.
1: Oh, so this is kind of the challenge uh, the little bit of the challenge at this point in my life. Yeah. I've already been looking at some personal development ideas. I've okay. already looking at a little bit of transactional analysis, drama, triangle, ego states. Show can. I can see the hand coming up. (laughs) No,
0: no, no. Uh, So while you're already um, using hard drugs, right? Yep. Okay.
1: So there's been a gap. So I've used drugs up until about the age of kind of 1920. And then it's been a little bit more kind of controlled and a bit more kind of having fun. Okay. I've gone traveling, um, pretty much everything's stopped at the traveling point because I'm I'm in a different environment. You know, I'm I'm experiencing like very, very minimal use. I'm I'm being kind of a little bit more me, a little bit. There's some other challenges in there, but I'm just kind of testing stuff out. Actually being me outside of an environment where there's all these expectations I feel that are being overlaid on me. Yeah. When I return. Mm -hmm. And so in this kind of journey, I'm, I'm learning kind of, I'm, pretending I'm, I'm all enlightened and I know kind of the power of now and I'm looking at transactional analysis and I'm trying to be all kind of, oh, the universe, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm testing this, this kind of persona out. And so I'm learning kind of the, the drama triangle concept. So powerful. If you haven't heard it, and people that are re- listening to this now go and read about it. It's immensely influential to moving yourself out of victim mindsets. Um, learning a few questions to you know, ask myself and kind of there's this stuff kind of drip feeding in. I've had a little bit of kind of experience of counseling of, of just personal development little bits, but I've never really, and shadow integration as well, but I've never really applied it soup, you know, at an identity mm-hmm. level intellectually. I get it. Yeah. And there's a little bit of congruence and a little bit of alignment, but not full identity level. So kind not of not in the heart, right, right? No. Yeah. Not when it really needs to be there, you know. You kind of—is this this is the emergency power kit, uh, kind of power toolkit? So I get to this point, and I'm lost. I mean, I am completely lost. I am lost in everything. I'm lost in everyone else's expectations. You know, it's getting kind of the levels that we were working Mm -hmm. in. in Toxicity was so high; they were intimidating, even to me, to go into um, for nights out. You know, I would I would worry for my own physical health and well-being. But then we get to that point. And I'm making the decision and I'm lying on that sofa and I can just remember bits of of kind of what was happening in that reality. Uh, And at that point, everything around me broke. Uh, The physically and emotionally I'm breaking, I'm under kind of immense amounts of stress and pressure. Um, one of my best friends, you know, ends up in bed with my so-called girlfriend at the time, Oh wow! Uh, you know, behind all these scenes of going, going on as well. Yeah these so-called best friends are telling me kind of to play small. No, I remember one of the dialogues, you know, I said, you know, one day I'm going to write a book of my life, you know, and I'm going to share the story, you know, how important would that be to people with Crohn's disease or potentially going yeah. through these phenomenal. And the response back was, well, no one would ever read it. Don't write it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't for 22 years mm. or 21 years. I never wrote that book. Yeah, It's just like, you no know, people, when you have the right people around you, the right peer group, you know, you are the average of the top five people you hang you with. Absolutely. And you've got people telling you not to do things which are of high service and high value. That that needs to change. And the universe came to a pinpoint decision at that point in time. I got to the breaking point. I severed everything. So I've stepped back from the edge. I've always known that I have a purpose. I've always known that I'm meant mm. to be doing something with me. Ever yeah. since I was 14, 15, there's something I'm meant to be bringing this isn't it. What is it? Okay. I, you know, I can either die or go to prison. Is that me living in that space of fulfillment of incredible? No, it's not.
0: Yeah.
1: Pull back. What's the other option? And it's that understanding of asking the next question. Okay. You know, high quality questions lead to yeah. high quality results. They do. What is the next option? What is going to move me forward? What's going to take me in the direction that I need to be going that I'm designed to do? This thing here, you know, like this is the difference between meant and designed. People going, I'm not meant to be doing this. I'm meant to be doing that. No, 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 no. In this state, wherever you are right now, whatever it is you're doing in this very moment is exactly what you're meant to be doing yep. to maximize the experience and learning that you need right now in order to move forward. Kind of you have to acknowledge yep. this, yeah? Yeah. The thing that you're designed to do, that's totally different different at a dna genetic level there is a thing that you are designed to do and bring in every single given situation when you switch it on Yep. when you stop complaining about the thing that you're not meant to be doing then you can concentrate on what it is you're actually designed to be doing and fucking bring it
0: oh dude i so all right so people don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's the good, it's the good health. So I taught, you know, and Henry and I have I've got to go back and forth. We, we said that conversation, yeah. with, I, I call healthy aggression, right? Yeah. Which is, I firmly believe in the harmony between healthy aggression and yeah. emotion. So yeah. I, it's my standpoint. Nobody's going to take it from me. And, but it's healthy because you've, you've, you've described something that I've heard a million times is that people decide at one point there's option A, option B, but if I, if, but I'm so close to it. So I learned, a I learned a term that I've already known it It was called fusion. And so fuse to this, who I am right now, this in my moment, what you said, what you're experiencing versus what you're designed to do. And Mm. I love it because I firmly believe you said it's in your DNA. So that means you were assigned it before you even like, were like consciously thinking, Right. So you're in this moment because this is where you're supposed to be, but yep. it doesn't also mean it's incongruent with your design yep. you know and so what what it sounds to me is you just like in anybody can describe it as instantaneous or over time is all of a sudden you went from being nose to nose with it to just coming back right yep. and saying, "Holy shit, this isn't what I was designed to do like I wasn't designed to be the addict who's about to jump over the edge you know either realistically yes. or you know uh, proverbially but you started asking yourself and you said something very interesting. And I think this is what a lot of people can't do. They can't ask themselves those high quality questions. And it's just the one like, so what would be the first question you asked
1: yourself then? The first thing is making that statement of actually, this is not what I am designed to do it being okay. clear on that. Okay. Yeah. Is this my purpose? What is my purpose? Mm. What is it? I meant, you know, actually yeah. kind of real significant and meaning to be brilliant. So start you know, pulling saying, yourself back. Yeah, you have to learn to create a space. And yeah. in order to do that, and I understand that more now, is when we look at the types of questions that we ask ourselves. And I teach this in The Art of Fulfillment. I've shared this with you as well, Carl. You know, is the yeah. types of questions that we ask ourselves cause a certain uh, emotional um, vibration. Yes. And depending on where we're coming on with that, will then, uh, and we ask, will depend on, they will then result in the questions and answers that we're going to get. So what I say to people is uh, it, to help teach them understand this: is who was the first person to ever ask you a question beginning with why? Ooh, yeah. And we like all it. go. Uh, the first person who they ask you a question beginning with why, it will always be a primary caregiver. It will be mum, mm-hmm. dad, yep. grandparent. And you say, what was the reason they asked you the question? And they'll say, because I was doing something wrong. Yep. Why did you do that? Bam. We already assign an emotional reaction and a label to the type of question that we're asking ourselves and we're asking other people. You know, why, well, why are you so overweight? And you know, your brain being the valuation machine and, or validation machine is going to give you an answer, whatever you put in. Yep. Why am I so overweight? Why am I making bad decisions? Why am I taking these drugs? Why am I behaving in such a way? Bam, bam, bam. And all these negative responses come flying back. Yep. <laughs> trick is we have to understand we have to take the why out of it and we have to start using that very intelligently I'm not saying don't ever use it use it intellectually yeah so what we do is we create a level of objectivity in our moment and we start asking questions beginning with what not why yep yeah so what was the thinking behind this what were the steps that led up to this what is it i need to do now that's going to move me beyond this and in doing this what we do is we ask what to find why never why to find what we want to reduce and remove or kind of lower down that emotional content so we can just create enough space to look at it and create enough distance to step back from the edge of the precipice reassess what it is we're doing what road we've gone down and you know what if we're going down the wrong road it is always okay to walk back and take a different path
0: oh you know that that is part of that um to me part of that acceptance is that i am walking this path right And, but nobody ever feels they can backtrack. Like, I mean, not nobody, that's a, that's an overstatement, but uh, there's probably a large majority of people says, I am here. I can't go back, because we're always told, and, and, and I do believe this to a degree, but we're always told momentum forward, 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 let's just keep going back to the, to the same thing. But the more people I get around in my circles, this is you uh, and Henry and Chip, the other guy I've interviewed, and other people who haven't been interviewed yet, because they are yes. coming, is that they say, it's okay for me to go back and sit in that, to understand it so I can break the barrier. And that's the thing, is like that massive momentum, if you're just leaping barriers, guess what yes. still exists? Yeah. That, yeah. that, that barrier and that's from what you just told me that describe that to a T. Um, but I do have a question about that. One, sure. I love the, uh, the what to find why and, and not why to find what. Yes. Right? So why is that, you know, again, I've, I've done that before I really jumped on my train for personal development, like why is this? Well, you know, why are you in this? Well, because you weren't a good employee, you got laid off a couple of times. Why is, you know, those, because it, it's, we're conditioned yes. to, 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 to own up to why because you did something horrible but in your past. And that's over time. I mean, I do that with my kids. I admit it. I catch myself like, why did you do this? Because you did <laughs> yeah. this because you were, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, what happened? Right.
1: Um, yeah. how are we going to do this? Yeah. You catch it. It's, it's like basketball. Yeah. Now when you feel the why coming out of your mouth, you can yeah. literally check it. You can, as long as that yep. ball is going up, you can take it out of the yes. air. Yeah. Let me, and I do this with with clients when I'm trying, it's like, Oh, what bad question? Let me replace that. And let me put mm. a different. And people instantly forget you even asked it because they're now focusing on the question you just yeah. asked what the brain is a wonderful thing That is a powerful coaching move, dude. It's, it's amazing and the the understanding in that is when we start to feel the emotions coming out when we're asking those questions beginning yeah. with us is we are creating justification we are creating excuses test it out mm. anyone with kids is watching this Carl included you go and ask your kids something about you know ask a why question why did you do that and they'll be like uh, 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 and they'll start yep. digging for they're looking at the shoes they'll make excuses they'll yep. blame their sister they'll do this it was the postman my dog ate it blah 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 blah. yep and we can just test it out you know kind of for just well, i did excuse. it the other day man <laughs> i did it yeah. man. i caught
0: it i caught it eventually but yeah Right. And then just,
1: re- and then replace it. Okay, actually, what was the thinking? Like you did beautiful, yep. but we need to do this with ourselves. And like I say, it's not about never asking a question, beginning with why. It's about using it intelligently mm-hmm. and intellectually and thoughtfully and congruently and understanding, okay, yeah. well, actually, why is this thing so important to me? What are, you know, why are these values? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my top values now, why, why, why am I here? And what am I here to deliver?
0: It sounds like, to me, like, like you said, you're using congruently, but you're using in a space that's pulling out your qualities, not um, justifying, right? Yes. So look at the two ways you're just, you just asked those questions was, you know, why am I here? Why do I believe in these values? Why are these things? And you can dig in a positive, you know, why do I believe in so like my, you know, my top values? Um, and you know, I've said them before, is love, service, connection, authenticity, and responsibility. If I ask a why question, the likelihood that that going to the negative is going to be probably slim to none because Mm -hmm. then I'll start filling in like why I love because I love to feel loved and I love to love other people. But, but if you do it on an action, you're right. If you do it on an action, you're immediately going to switch into, you know, why did I not get this job? Because I'm stupid because I'm not enough. And like, it's completely the, the power of why can be both well, positive and negative, just depending on how we ask it. I mean, this is really, this is a core like meat and potatoes thing that, you know, uh, so many people just, that's the, that's the only question they know is why, like, that's the only, I mean, the only way they know how to frame it. And, and I like to spend a good chunk of time here because I've had those conversations with people recently and to listen to them, and I don't know why I did X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you're, I know exactly what you're going to say. And you're going to go negative. And I'm hearing, and I'm listening to them. And they're like, oh, I said, so, you know, what will, and then you ask them, you know, and, and you're so right. As long as that question is still in the air, you have, the, you can take it back. So many people think, especially I think in the coaching world, right. Or the consulting world that we know they're vastly, you know, congruent to one another is that, um, that once it's out there. you you can't ever take it back. And I'm like, oh, you have all the time to just, okay, let's, okay, hey, sorry, let's shift that a little bit, right? And we can, but we can do that with ourselves, but we don't either.
1: I think the practiced art form is when you come back to that analogy of, of basketball and checking the ball, Mm -hmm. when you feel the why question coming out and you don't complete the sentence, the ball is still going up. Yeah. The moment you've completed the sentence, the person is already starting to think and ruminate on it. That's when the ball's going down. You try and take the ball out of the air when the ball's on the way down, that's goaltending and that's a foul. (laughs) So it's just understanding where, as soon as you catch yourself saying, you can stop it and you can put it back and change it. Yep. And when you're talking about, people asking those why questions and it, it ends up kind of the root cause of why me why bother mm. and that's where the why questions you know if we're using them kind of un- in, you know, thoughtlessly that's where they will kind of distill down to yeah and inaction it ends up always with inaction and kind of a negative coming out of it well and
0: so you know going back to We already said, you know, we believe in this design purpose. So we can start asking our questions to get us to that. So we can start to realize it more without asking why we can start asking what, how, what do I need to do to, to be this designed person that I'm at? But you know, so many people haven't been maybe enlightened yet. You know, they haven't picked up a book, you know, like, um, what I have and I don't have anything in front of me. Um, you know, well, I got something behind me, but I am going to turn my back, but yeah, start with why, you know, but. How many people ha- actually haven't picked up those books yet? So they're in this, they're at the, the cusp, right? Mm-hmm. And you said you already had started to enlighten yourself a little bit, but there's a lot of people who haven't because they're like self-development is such a you know, woo thing. Still, it's becoming way more popular than we know now, but it's still yes. a small minority that actually go out and just press into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, what would you say to someone who who doesn't have that self-development experience, who who is at that point, they're here and they're looking over the edge, mm-hmm. um, what would you say then? How do they pull themselves, you know, what can they do to, you know, pull themselves back, go from the, you know, five foot view, looking at the edge because, well, let's say six foot, six foot view, cause you're looking at the edge and then pull back to the you know, out of body experience
1: and pull back. Yeah. It comes back to the high quality questions, high quality inputs lead to high quality outputs. And it's understanding that, you now is this who you are at your deepest level? Mm-hmm. You no. Know, is this what you were designed to bring when you're at your best? Yeah. Even starting to scratch below the surface of in the light, you know, these are the questions that I ask people in in one-to-ones in mid-year, end of year reviews that I teach leaders to ask as just, I say basic questions, but I hate the word at the same time basic because none of this is basic. Because if it was, we would get taught this stuff when we were at school. It would be the first thing we learn when we know when we can speak. Yeah. Know what have you done in the last twelve months that you're truly proud of? Mm-hmm. What have you done in the last twelve months that truly excited you that you were preparing for? Yeah, and and just get to start people just get you no, know, to start pulling the thread. We want to, you know, we want to pull that single thread so that the thing that we think we've knitted mm-hmm. starts to unravel and come apart, so we can look at the individual threads and then we can put it together based on a different pattern and different design that we start to bring in our heads. Yeah, is it's that one question. Is this what you're actually here for? Mm. No. You know, how is the world different as a result of you not being here, of you doing this, of playing in this space? You know, you know, what is it you can actually bring when you switch on that most incredible version of you? What is yeah. your potential? Yeah. And just get people to start asking some of those questions. And the one, and as a coach, I've learned this, you know, and what have you done in the last 12 months you're proud of? Oh, I don't I, Mm. <laughs> I love those it's, it, 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 it's a default answer for a lot of people. You know, where, where do you see yourself in five years time? I don't know. It's just avoiding it, man. It, it <laughs> is avoidance. So for me, that's an instant kind of you know red flag. And my response is, did I ask you if you know or not? Yeah. Oh man, say, I like it. Yeah. yeah. And they'll say, no, I didn't. What's the question? Oh, you asked me, where do I see myself in five years time? Okay. Then what's the answer? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't make me repeat myself. You know, this is Ken Blanchard kind of one minute manager type yep. stuff. You know? Don't make me repeat myself. You're wasting my time and your time. Mm-hmm. What was the question? Where do I see myself in five years' time? Okay, where do you see yourself in five years? Time? And then the brain starts because you're kind of you're pushing the button, you're challenging the thinking. Yep. And you get people, no matter where they are, and you know, it it, can, it does cause a level of friction with some people. Oh yeah. Where well, No, what have you done in the last twelve months that you're truly proud of? Whether it was a conversation with your children, whether it was a conversation mm. with a coworker or yeah. a client or you know a post you put up on Facebook or because you know, there was a little old lady in the supermarket who couldn't reach the cornflakes. And trust me, whenever a little old lady asks me, says, excuse me, I know for what it's because they can't reach something because I'm six foot six. Yes,
0: yeah. I, have that. I had that problem only being six <laughs> two. But. <laughs> yeah.
1: but it's just helping people to see actually yeah. the thing. There is a value that they have given and that they can continue to give and that they have a purpose. <laughs> and they can magnify that thing and start to develop and grow it. That, man,
0: you know, when I think about that and I think about some of the responses I've I've given from myself, you know, going down this path or heard from other people is that when you say like, what's the one like incredible thing you've done over the past 12 months or something, everybody looks for this ginormous, I love that word ginormous um, thing, right? Like what big contribution did I make this giant shift in reality that I made and that's what they're looking for because they they're still looking to, to make themselves insignificant. Right. And I've, I've, yeah, I've done it to myself in the past year I've you know, Oh, I, this small little thing I did for one person isn't, but it is, it is more than 90% of people will do, you know, mm-hmm. or at, at least own up to, I, I helped an old lady across the street, you know, like you said, get the cereal off the top shelf. That is an incredible thing because that's the way humanity was designed to be. Yes. So we don't act that way, but we still try to trivialize it. And so sometimes I think when we trivialize that, we keep walking in that space of we're not enough. We're not doing anything significant. We're not living to our design when in fact, like you had just stated, you are.
1: Yep. And if you know, it's, it's, it's all about collaboration, connection. mm mm-hmm and engagement with human beings and community. This is the important part. And when you you go back to that kind of example of that little old lady, what is her day like because she can't reach that shelf? How is she left feeling because there isn't someone there to help her? Yeah. Yeah, that's not insignificant. That's fucking huge. It's humongous. It's humongous, especially Mm. in this age of loneliness. You know, we live in, you know, there's seven point however many billion people on this planet, except loneliness is probably the biggest killer on this planet. It is biggest killers no community about, no connection yeah not all of that stuff and it's about making sure that we do have that stuff and how important that com- conversation that you had with that individual that changed the dynamic of their day you mm-hmm. know even by opening a door for someone even by you know I'm sure in America it's the same in the UK you have your co- your coffee shop loyalty card and when you've drunk 10 cups you get your your 11th cup yeah. free or yeah give that person give that voucher to the person behind you in the queue mhm and see how much their face lights up just from the sheer yeah. surprise that actually someone did that for them. Yep. It's for a free cup of coffee, which cost you nothing because mm-hmm. it was free anyway.
0: That and That is that, I, I think you heard it maybe on the other interview, that
1: is the drop that makes the ripple. <laughs> it is. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're having a better day. They go and speak to someone else and it then gets passed on and given to someone else. You, you just don't know the impact
0: that you can make off of one small, seemingly insignificant action, yeah. right? Which is, all connected back to likely your purpose now i believe everybody this is my core belief is that everybody is designed for service right mm-hmm. that's what we've all been here for that's always been part of me let one of my core you know core values but that is the thing but service doesn't necessarily have to be like you know you and i who like coach and consult people it could just be giving back to your community to your family or everything else so i think a lot of people one identify service has to be this specific thing when that service is giving that free voucher to the person behind you that's going to change their day and then and consequently change somebody else because now they're in a positive mood. Like that service could be anything, tipping your barber an extra dollar. You know, like everybody's, uh, everybody's <laughs> I hate using the term everybody because it's so general, but it's true. The mass observations that I've seen is like, everybody thinks service is this like, I have to be that guy who goes and changes people's lives on intention, you know, without saying I can still be serving in the million unlimited capacities that there are. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another thing. I see people who have been in the situations that you and I have been in, you know, think at first, right? Well, how am I giving back? You know, how am I doing this and how, you know? And so again, they go back to trivializing it. Um, And that's such a hard, it's such a hard thing to overcome. It really is. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're just, again, I go back to it. It's everybody just makes things insignificant. And unfortunately, um, that's where
1: a lot of society resigns, man. Mm. And this comes back to the schooling piece. So <laughs> when we talk about, it does it, but this is, comes it, does, back to school. it does, it does. So the way that I break it down is the four stages of work and you've heard this before and mm-hmm. I'm going to share it. you know, the work that we're taught to do, told to do meaningful work and purposeful work. Mm-hmm. And the work that we're taught to do is, is it comes from school. School is an outdated factory model to create factory workers from the post industrial revolution or the first industrial revolution. And that's where it comes. you know, it teaches those three things. Turn up on time, do as you're told, live up to the expectation. But what it does though, is it creates conformity. Mm. You know, you're creating a box to live in. Do not step outside of the box and you will be safe. Yeah. Do not be different because if you do that, you will be punished accordingly. Yeah. Whether it be by bullying, teachers, separation, whatever. Um, you then get marginalized. So you don't want to do that because you feel ostracized from the tribe. But then what it does, it starts to create anxiety and that anxiety is bred at a very early age because you know, it's am I meeting someone else's expectation? Mm -hmm. Am I living up to somebody else's standard? Am I going to get my bonus at the end of the year? If I, you know, if I haven't done the right amount, made the right amount of whatever cans, products, burgers, whatever. This is where it starts to stem from. When we start going out into the real world you know, and we start to, to move into that work that we're told to do, where the frustration starts to build up, yeah. because we start to understand, oh, there's a blue and a red pill. Ah, actually, no. When we start to see that there is a blue and a red pill, it's too late. You've already taken the red pill and there's a rabbit <laughs> hole and you're already tumbling down it. There is no choice. You, you, yep. you know it's there. You're making it. But when we're in that moment of kind of giving that coffee cart, coffee that free coffee to the person behind us, Mm. That's unusual.
0: It is. People
1: people don't do that. They don't. You you don't you don't turn up and be nice to someone you don't know. That's not okay. You don't talk to people on the train on the commute into New York City, London, wherever, because that just wears people out. Yeah. You then start to feel ostracised because you're doing something different. So you don't. Oh, maybe they maybe they'll reject me for giving them a free cup of coffee. Who in their right mind is going to reject you for giving them a free cup of coffee? (laughs) Never going to happen. So you go and do it. Then all of a sudden you realize, oh, that feels good. I've mm-hmm. just given someone a free cup of coffee that cost me nothing. That feels fantastic. And it's actually proven scientifically. Um, Dr. Inagaki, Pittsburgh University. So much did, better names than I. <laughs> did a study on this, a phenomenal study on it. And they showed um, how the brain operates when you give. And also but when you give specifically to a person um, you know, of, in, in relation to you and also yeah. something which is in a chosen field mm-hmm. that you can support someone on. There's a part of your brain, forgive me for not uh, remembering it, I think it's the Not, I don't remember what it stands for, that fires up in your brain and actually encourages you to do more of it. It feels mm-hmm. good, it leaves you with a warm glow. So once we get the flavor of doing that, oh, that was really easy. I held a door open for someone, I got them a cup of coffee, I did this, I helped the old lady. The brain starts, you, you start to feel good. Positive hormones, serotonin, oxytocin are getting released. It wants you to repeat doing it. Yep. Just because everyone else isn't doing it and you're now starting to look like the odd one out, is no reason to not do it. This is what human existence and community is predicated on is you contributing to the next person yep. to help them have a better day so they can go and do something more incredible as a result. Yep.
0: Yeah, the whole contribution impact results that you teach. And I've like as soon as you said that, it turned me on because I to to this like whole because I had something very similar before. Mm-hmm because we've had this conversation months and months mm. and months ago, and I was like, totally something that has been on my, on my board. that's like behind me, right? I can look at it. Uh, I tell everybody, you know, the two things I have on my wall are my, my, my personal statements, my values, my strengths, and then I have the man in the arena next to it, good old t- Teddy, um, yeah. which, uh, which, you know, is, is that thing. But we're, we're so, we're, so we're, we're sitting there. And so let's go to the, to the fact, because we dug down everything that, that, that comes of that, but mm-hmm. here you are sitting on the edge, this is what I'm meant to do, everything else, and I always go back because I love to let it flow, make those connections so people can see those things, but let's connect the dots. Now, mm-hmm. how, how do you get to the point where you are, um, you know, for the vernacular we use in this, staying in the fight, you've made this conscious decision, I'm not leaping over the edge, I am meant for something better, I am meant for something, my design is for X, Y, and Z, so how do you go about now re- going to the fact of actually executing? actually saying, okay, here I am handing that, that free coffee to somebody. I'm holding the door for somebody. How do you go from the, you know, if this isn't the right term, the, the selfish, you know, um, drug addicted person, you know, who's like, I'm going to live this and this is the only path I can ever go down to saying, boom, Oh my God. You know, nobody saw yep. it. hit my face. Um, and just <laughs> pulling back getting this whole thing. Um, and sorry if selfish isn't the right term, but that's like, I've been in a similar space and I was completely yes. selfish. Yeah. Um, is that how do you now say I am now the person who's gonna start executing on this slowly but surely, I'm gonna be the person who is contributing, right? And making an impact. So
1: how does that, how did that play out? Two phases to that, two parts. First one is coming out of that realization at the point you know, of this is a make or break situation. What is actually going on in my environment and my relationships? What are they giving to me, and kind of um, how are they holding me back, etc.?
0: And
1: mm. making a really clear decision at that point in time that these people are not beneficial to my well-being and are not helping me to excel in my greatest version. And at that point, it's a very clear decision for me: severance. Ooh, yeah, you, yeah, you don't you don't sit on a drawing pin and think, oh, that <clears> feels uncomfortable and stay there. You <laughs> pull the drawing pin out as quickly as possible. Yeah. When you learn to tolerate something over a long period of time, though, you don't really understand the pain point until you really hit a breaking point. Yeah. Once that happens, you can then go, okay, I need to make a decision here. Mm-hmm. Know, there, is, there is categorically what is. Where am I going? What's next? And how do I make this happen? Boom cut off these people not interested they're not supporting me yep these people are toxic unhealthy and damaging done i then make that decision six weeks later i'm standing outside the cinema it's the night of my birthday um in my hometown and the love of my life walks past we've broken up a little while ago i haven't yeah. seen her in a few years um she doesn't come from my hometown her mum walks past and i'm thinking that's weird don't say anything because obviously I don't have a lot to talk about with her mum.
0: Yeah.
1: Next thing you know, she walks up as well. So she's there. Um, we have a conversation. Uh, and at that point, it's we have a conversation, we get talking. Turns out she's moving to Amsterdam in three weeks' time. So, you know, the, the dialogue's going backwards and forwards. Uh, things heat up. Uh, and a few months later, I then move to Amsterdam to be with her. <laughs> So it's just kind of those life events, you know, had I not have actually severed that moment and made that stop, Mm. I probably wouldn't have been conscious enough to have actually stopped and had a a conversation with her. I wouldn't have even, I may not have even been standing in that place. So there's a journey then, all of a sudden I'm now with her, I moved to Amsterdam, spent four years there, we returned back to the UK. Um, I've I've travelled to Brazil at this point and and trained extensively there as well with my martial arts. Uh, We decided to come back to the UK. Um, we've been back to the UK now 11 years. Um, seven years ago, almost seven years ago, I'm having a crisis of leadership. So I've been with a team. I'm working in car insurance sales. Um, and I can't get this team to improve. They're, they're stuck. doesn't matter how nice I am to, with them, to them. It doesn't matter how many bags or sweets I buy them. doesn't matter how many bonuses I can help them get. doesn't matter how much I shout at them. They're not moving. I cannot get them to to move beyond kind of below average, kind of middle of the run, not excelling. And I'm really struggling with this. And I'm sharing concepts, I'm sharing ideas, they're not getting it and it's not working. And then our daughter is due to arrive in December 2012. And I'm having this crisis of leadership, my daughter's about to arrive It's this understanding that I now have that parenting and leadership are not two sides of the same coin. Yeah, they're one and the same thing.
0: Yes, they are. Exactly. (laughs) Once you have a kid, you're like, oh man, this is is very similar. It's not the same.
1: Yeah, and it fundamentally rewires how you approach things. Yeah, it it helps you to kind of gel that leadership thing. It doesn't matter how you become a parent biologically, um, um, through marriage, through whatever, through a decision. You know, that shift is is Kind of hardwired, you know, they can't get away from it. That's happening problem at work, difficulties with leadership, bam. Mm. I then stumbled across Simon Sinek, um, how great leaders inspire action, you know, 18 minutes and 34 seconds of absolute gold, of, you know, the yeah. uh, start with why, courtesy yep. of the bookshelf and, you know, the golden circle. I start to question my why, what mm. is it I bring? So I have a few weeks off work poppy arrives um it's Christmas time I walk into that meeting room on the 4th of January I've got my team there I remember we're in a greasy spoon got like a diner for you guys um talking about what the plan is for the rest of the year and my plan was and I said to them this my plan is that you will all be in different jobs by the end of this year (laughs) and they went say what and I was like exactly that at the end of this year you will all be in different jobs Yeah. We will set a plan and we will work together to make that happen. And that also means me as well. Mm. And I laid out the plan for the whole year. My why was to push their buttons. It was to coach them. It was to develop them. It was to challenge their thinking so that they could become more incredible than yesterday. They could develop an idea. They could push themselves even further and in doing so they would then get to excel themselves and go where they need to go. Not for me, not for the business for themselves. We work in car insurance. Who the hell goes home and whispers sweet nothings into their significant partners ears about car insurance? Mm,
0: I know one or two people who might, but yeah. they're, they're, they're a different case. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> but
1: majority, we don't do this. Yeah, yeah no, no, we no. don't do this. We, do, we talk about the conversations we have. We talk about the customers that we yeah, help. We yeah. talk about the, the, the colleagues we support and develop. And it was about building these sorts of relationships and me tra- training and teaching the skills that I have to help them deliver excellence in them in that Based on who I now understand who I am internally, you know I am now a father. uh, Is you know I am uh, a leader. Who am I bringing to these conversations and these dialogues? And I learn to switch it on. And again, it comes back to kind of that purpose and what is it I'm designed to do. Mm. I start to understand. Oh, this is why I was bullied. This is why I was so ashamed because I didn't challenge those boys. Yeah. This is why I was so ashamed because I didn't challenge myself to tell my brother to tell my father. You know, that ashamedness, that shame is not, I'm not saying it's a negative thing. Yeah. I look at it objectively from the 30,000 viewpoint, you know, 30,000 feet viewpoint of now being 41, looking at my 13 year old self and saying, well, what was it I was ashamed of not bringing in that moment? It was the challenge. It was challenging those boys to become more incredible than yesterday. Oh, I get it now. I'm okay with that. My 13 year old self did the best they could with the best they have. I'm good with that. Zero regrets. Absolute gratitude. Yeah. And now when I look at, okay, what am I bringing to this? I'm going to challenge these people's thinking to become more incredible than yesterday. I'm going to challenge my daughter to become more incredible than yesterday. Mm. And, I'm yeah. in, and I'm going to start to nurture this development, this concept. Yeah. And this is you know, nearly seven years ago. I've qualified as a management and leadership coach. I'm now running my own personal development program. The book is coming out in the next couple of months. So when this airs, my aim is January 20th, 2020. That book will be released. Ooh, and it's the, the first... I will do, absolutely. It's going to be the first stages of the art of fulfillment in book form to, to right. change people's thinking, to share these elements of the stories, how I learned about myself, how I learned about my, my journey, how I learned about who I am at a genetic level and what I bring to every situation when I, when I engage with that and how I develop those situations. So actually, I can connect the dots going forwards, not just backwards as Steve Jobs talked about.
0: Man, so like the whole... like. <laughs> When I when I labeled this podcast, when I made it, the, the the state like the state in the fight, it's like you you described everything to it. It was that mass acceptance of everything that has happened, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, you you said I accept it. Okay, I accept it as a thirteen year old boy. Like I, I accepted these things. You're not. I'm not going to resign to the fact that that it was just this negative, you know, shit storm. Right? Something came out of that going forward, yes. uh, and that now. You got extremely introspective, which is yes. where we need to be. Because yes. every time we're always looking at the outside, like what is that? Like you said, you know, uh, before you get the, the realization of severance, you had said, you know, assessing your environment the relationships that you have. So you assess those, right? But it's not the, the compounding effect they have on you. It's the way you think about them on the, you know, from the inside to the out. Because I think a lot of us will think from the outside in, what is this person giving to me? And am I letting them control versus I have the control. Now I can either disconnect and disassociate or choose to go down this path. Yeah. And, and now that you have said, I used all of that to get to my destination of, I wouldn't even say destination, that is to get to my purpose and to my you know, divine purpose, whatever you want to call it is that's how I stay in the momentum going forward because you just said it's just going forward. That's how I continue going forward because that is who I am and I'm connected to you. But you had to do a lot of like deep, like it's dirty work. It's it, not in a bad sense. It's just, it's a place that we avoid because we have to connect and, and really accept all that pain that had happened. Mm. We and, get, we, we're,
1: we're scared of the answers. It's not the questions. The questions no. are fucking easy to yeah, ask. They're, they're easy. Yeah. Once you know the questions, you know, anybody can ask them of you. Mm-hmm. But... Dealing with and facing into the answers that come up out of that, that's where the discomfort is. That's, you know, one of the the unmeasurable, answering, answering, sorry, asking the questions is measurable. Oh, there's a number of words. It looks like this. What's the immeasurable? Actually, what's going to come up as a result of this? And that's why I talk about kind of that level of objectivity and space to create just enough distance just to kind of get a third person view on it and be conscious, okay. What mindset you bring to this? How are you approaching it? am I feeling like a victim in this? Actually, who Mm. is the victim? You know, when it's just a learning situation, everybody you meet is going to teach you something. They've got something to share with you. Whether they're going to hold the mirror up for you or it's going to be an opportunity to develop a concept, everyone's going to be teaching you something. And when someone teaches you something valuable about yourself or about a thing or about a situation, what's the first thing you say to people? Mm. Thank you. Yep and it doesn't matter how much hurt they get when you can be truly grateful for someone for what they have done to you or given to you or shared with you no matter what it is and look back on that with absolutely zero regret and say Do you know what i would not change a single moment of that mm. because i'm truly grateful for what it has provided me yeah let it go it's not it's not acting as an anchor and holding you back at yeah. that point you can learn to propel yourself forward you can use your past to propel your forward yeah. for your future no it's not understanding I blame so many people for being bullied. I blame so many people for the drug addiction. I, at one point, I even blamed my mother for me being sick when I was younger. Oh, wow. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Because of some of my understanding about that situation. But you know that that blame and has I you know Peter Sage, one of my teachers, taught me. You no know, complaining is the glue that keeps you stuck to your circumstances. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it yep. is, but it's understanding, you know, is when you're in that complaining and the way that I frame it with people is you now you cannot activate solution or thinking while you are complaining. Mm-mm. If you are sitting there pointing the finger at everybody else rather than at yourself, or in fact, that destination that you talked about where you need to be going, you know, all the time it's pointed at everyone else. You're not actually taking action. You're not, you're not doing the self-development. You're not doing the deep introspection mm. to understand what that success is of those clues of those, of yeah. that evidence of those breadcrumbs to lead you back to that internal dialogue and understanding your internal language of yourself, that when you speak it, you can speak it clearly, articulately, fluently, and just bring you yeah. mental every single time.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, Dude, that is, that is that. Ooh, you know, I got chills because it's like, so, because of fans on, but because like that is <laughs> it, it is the thing is either we we stick in and become the victim and remain the victim, I should say because we 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 uh you know the hero 's journey is always going from victim to victor, you have to be a victim to be a victor it 's just choosing it's choosing it 's choosing it 's choosing to be remain that victim, complain, blame right, deny everything what is it uh, yeah. b- below the line the bed right Bl- blame, excuse, and deny um you know everything and and you choose to rise above it, you know? And so it's, it's a choice. Like that is the, that is the thing is, you know, and the choices are so hard to make. And the choice is just so, where is it going to take me? Because that is, that is an unknown. I mean, it is, it is an unknown, but it is so known because you know, you have to answer the Like you said, you have to answer the questions and the questions are easy to ask, but do you want to hear it? You know, and I think once you shift that, if am I satisfied where I'm at now, of course you're not. And if you're in that spot, you know, you you ask yourself, Am I happy being here? Well of course I'm not. Why am I still here? Okay, what do I have to ask myself to to stop to stop doing this? And so we just went through a whole like list of, you know, Nathan's experience, you know, from starting from a nine year old boy. And this is very familiar because a lot of this stuff starts as a child, you know. Yeah. And then going all the way through of like, you know, how those experiences rack up right? Over time, they just stack and stack and stack and stack and stack and become so unbearable to where we reach a point, you know, and it could be any point in your life. You'd be 20 or 81 at some point, you know, you're, 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 you're trying to hold all this stuff up. Whereas we'd like to flip that around and trying to push it all down. And it's, you know, really buoyant and wants to come back up. Um, at some point it's coming back at you, you know, and it's the one thing that the choice, you said it, the choice, the choice to turn into it and accept it and lean in and keep discovering your purpose, uh, or read the uncovering, I should say, cause discovering it's always been there. It's just uncovering. Yep. We're just sitting where you're at. And unfortunately you know, we've got a lot of us that, um, you know, that's why people like us exist in the world to post a podcast to have a class or anything else. And you know, I love what you do, man. Everything that you said was just like powerful. And there, if, if you can't find one thing out of this, then you need to reach out to one of us because we will, <laughs> I will find a minute where you can just take a phrase and, Get introspective on it. Yeah. Just, I mean, what you said from your, you know, you said your mentor complaining is the glue that keeps you stuck to your circumstances. God, yes. oh my yep. God, that's going on the, that's going up there. The whiteboard. <laughs> every every episode's getting on end of the whiteboard. Um, yeah. but Nathan, man, like that is there is so much power behind what you're doing now and where you came from.
1: Mm, like, you. there's,
0: you're welcome, man. Yeah, the thank you. There it is, right? There's, but there is so much power and one i'm excited to get to know you and to for very appreciative that you came out here to share this because i i know there's gonna be some somebody who they they're gonna be a passive listener but it's going to internalize somewhere yeah you may be stuck you may be addicted to something or maybe you're just stuck in your job unfulfilled with your nine to five right um maybe just overwhelming being a a father a mother wherever. there is something in here for you i like you brought you brought it and i can't define what it is because it is just what it is that you bring yeah and man um there's a lot of crucial moments in there i think if we had like three or four episodes we can unpack a lot of that stuff but i think there's enough in here that is going to make some massive movement my brother Mm. um and so what i like you know what i like to leave people with is number one is the the impact statement if you had to tell the world something right now like What is that impact statement that somebody you believe just needs to hear right now? It can be a one-liner or it can be what you need. You go ahead and tell them right now, like how can they go ahead and stay in the fight?
1: The one thing that has helped me that I want to share with more people is a quote that I heard and it's kind of a bastardized quote from Robin Sharma and the leader who had no title, is understanding that a stained past does not mean a stagnant future. And it's about understanding that whatever has happened is the prelude to something incredible if you choose to take that step that every moment and every event has been the introduction has been the foreword for the next chapter that you need to write in your life Mm -hmm. and the part that's going to make the difference in that happening is whether or not you decide to challenge yourself to take control of those key elements of your lives, of expanding that greatest version of who you are and becoming more incredible than yesterday. It's understanding that what you perceive as the stumbling block is actually the stepping stone. Mm. And it's understanding that when you look at it from a different angle with a different set of lenses on and you perceive it differently, you will see the value in that so that you can make every step forward a step up and every step up the preparation for the next two steps. And when you tap into that, yes
0: <laughs> if, you, if you don't see the video like it wasn't even anything <laughs> they put his hands up and shook his head and he was like that's it uh, that is it man that is it and how big does that step have to be the first one tiny bingo it just has
1: to be one step and this is you now what this is what people get caught on so i need to be clear on this you know? yes when we look at 50-year, 100-year, 500-year plans, business goals, whatever mm. it is, yeah, it doesn't have to be a perfect plan. We have to be flexible. And we have to understand that everything is a wave and everything has a curve to it. Yep. You know, wherever you work, live in the world, depending on how you operate in a roundabout, for us in England, if you want to go right at a roundabout, you have to turn left. I think it's different in the US. Now, if you want to turn left, you have to turn right at a roundabout. <laughs> Pretty it's, much. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's understanding that this is, this is how it works. So we have to have that flexibility in what we're doing. Now the step doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be a step. And mm. what you may perceive as a backward step and coming back to that point earlier, you know, is when you've gone yep. down a path and you're pulling away from it. Mm. In truth, you can't actually pull away from it. Yep. You're not going backwards. What you do is it's like a spider's web. Hold on. There's a pathway over here that I need to take. Mm. if You look at the spider's web. There's all these spokes coming off different paths. Yep. They're all connected. When you've gone down one pathway and you're thinking, shit, this isn't right. This doesn't feel good. I'm in a problem here. This is toxic. You don't have to go all the way back to the middle to go back out again. Nope. Take all the information that you've just learned, you hop across, and you keep going down a different path. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Man, dude, that is amazing. I love it. All right. So tell everybody where they can
1: reach you. Uh, me, uh, Nathan Simmons on most platforms. On Instagram, it's at how to find Fulfillment. Mm. facebook it's the how to find fulfillment group and you can also find me at nathansimmonscoaching.com as well boom man
0: well i'm gonna put all that in the comments so Thank if anybody's you. looking to reach out if you have a question for him, i'm sure nathan you're more than open to just having an open conversation no strings yes. attached yes perfect man i love it i do i you have like i have to put my appreciation out for everybody that chooses to come onto this budding thing that's been on my heart because you guys are the driver. It's about your story and how that can impact. So bringing you to other people who you may have never, who may never hear you because we're not in that. They're not in my circle, you know, of that, that. So much appreciation for that, for being my 007. Right. So (laughs) my James Bond for this one is going (laughs) to be, you might just title it that, but dude, you're amazing. You brought it. Um, I can't tell you how appreciative I am that you, number one, you're in my life and things that you bring um, out in people.
1: Love you too, Carl. Appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing you new content each and every week through our boots on the ground approach of real and relatable guests. But I'll tell you what, this show cannot carry on without your support. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Thanks everyone for listening. And I want to remind you to stay in the fight.